Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Oh, what's up, Atlanta? That's right. It is time for the latest edition of the other side of the glass. I got you until 8 o'clock this evening. Atlanta United pregame comes your way then. A very important match for the Five Stripes with Mike Conti and Jason Longshore on the call. Usually I would say, man, you're eating into my airtime, but not after what we just saw. What a way to kick off the college football season. What an amazing game. We're going to break it all down. Colorado beats TCU in dramatic fashion, setting all kinds of records, and the coach prime era has begun. So we got an absolute ton to do this evening because we got Braves baseball to talk about, playing game three out in L.A. tonight. We got United to talk about, like I said, critical match versus Dallas. We have Georgia football kicking off in less than two hours, and we are just over a week away from the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to set up the show for you. Take a quick break. And when we get back, I want you to start thinking for me because I got a question for you at 404-726-0929. It involves the Falcons and it involves the Bulldogs. We're going to get that cranking. And soon to come, at the bottom of the hour, Joe DeLeon from the Believe Podcast Network talking all things college football and NFL draft. He's a draft specialist. How about these rookies that we're going to see in NFL Week 1? Allison Mastrangelo, 5 o'clock straight up, live from Stanford Stadium, reporting all the latest sights and sounds ahead of UGA and UT Martin. And then later on in the show, Joe Patrick and our buddy Michael Duarte from L.A. to talk about all things Braves and Dodgers. So we have an absolutely jam-packed show. We're starting a little bit late, but like I said, that is okay in my book because that was one of the better college football games to start a season that I have ever seen. So we'll break that all down. And coming up next, like I said, 404-726-0929. I got a question for you. It's about the dogs and it's about the Falcons. What a time. College football is back. And I am so pumped. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Just getting started. Other side of the glass. Sports Radio, 929 The Game, Odyssey app. I mean, if that game wasn't an appetizer for the college football season, I don't know what is. Colorado beats TCU 45-42. to If you hadn't seen Shadur Sanders' stat line, let me give it to you. 38-47 for 510 yards and four touchdowns. Breaking all kinds of passing records for rookies at Colorado and passing records in general. 510 yards yards in his debut and if you heard the end of the post game there Colorado didn't have five yards passing into 500 yards passing into the fourth game of the season last year I mean that's how special Deion's son can be and then of course Travis Hunter the jack of all trades he had over 100 yards receiving 
And he played cornerback. He played over 100 snaps. I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to do that with him all season long, but that's just my opinion. But he is obviously a special, special player. Deion Sanders obviously taking over a horrible Colorado squad, and you're seeing the immediate impact of primetime. I mean, what else can you say? This guy just has the magic touch. He's been that way his entire life from his time in college at Florida State to his time here in Atlanta with the Falcons and the Cowboys and Major League Baseball and you name it, he's done it. And now he decided he's going to put all of his resources, all of his time and money and energy into being a college coach. And you saw the success at Jackson State. And now he took his whole squad with him. And you saw one of the better games you're going to see this season to open up the college football campaign. And that was absolutely awesome. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. I mean, I believe they play Nebraska next week. Matt Rule, I don't think they look so hot. Sorry, John Fricky, in their first game. So I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado rolls again and they start the season 2-0. and And that is going to be all your social media headlines for the weekend. You name it, you go on Facebook or X or TikTok and Instagram, and you are going to see Prime all over the place. And he's earned it, and he deserves it. All right. We are T-minus about 90 minutes away from the Georgia Bulldogs looking to do something that hasn't been done in almost 100 years. And, of course, I am talking about three-peating as a national champion. It hasn't been done since the Minnesota Golden Gophers all the way back in the 1930s. So that's the type of historic feat that Kirby Smart and his staff are going to look to accomplish this season. How rare is it? It's that rare. It's a 100 years type of rare, and it's going to be something to watch. Now, is there any chance of anything being in jeopardy tonight against UT Martin? No, I wouldn't say so. I think they'll be just fine, and I think they'll be just fine for most of the regular season. So how about the Atlanta Falcons? And this is what I tease going into the break. How am I going to tie this all together here? Well, the Atlanta Falcons also have a chance to do something that they haven't done in quite some time, and that is be a playoff team. And that is actually win a playoff game. That is something that is completely in the cards for the Atlanta Falcons this season. That is something that they can absolutely accomplish. I believe that they are going to win the NFC South, and I also think that they could win a playoff game. I don't think that that's out of reach at all. So here's my question to you at 404-726-0929. What is more likely? Let's have a little fun on this Saturday afternoon, the first weekend of college football, and being just a week away from the Atlanta Falcons and the most promise they've had in nearly a decade. 404-726-0929. What is more likely to happen? A UGA three-peat or the Falcons winning a playoff game? That is my question to you to open up this show on a college football Saturday afternoon. What is more likely to happen? The dogs get that three-peat or the Falcons win a playoff game? For me, I think the Falcons are going to win a playoff game this year. I think there are a lot of good teams in college football. I don't know if there's really a lot of great teams But there's enough teams out there that could potentially pick off UGA en route to a three-peat. I don't think this division's any good, guys. I think the Falcons are going to win the NFC South, and it won't be as difficult as a lot of people are making it out to be. A lot of people are just saying, this is the Saints division, and we're just going to run away with it. No, hold on a second. 
The Atlanta Falcons have been and continue to be, and we've done chapter and verse on my show and on Dukes and Bell and on every other show on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. The Atlanta Falcons are being massively disrespected by the national media, so much so that I think they're going to win the division. I think they're that good. I have seen nothing, nothing out of any of these other teams to tell me that at this point, they're just going to roll the Atlanta Falcons. You trust in Carolina week one with a rookie quarterback to come out and just roll the Atlanta Falcons? You trusting a new Saints team with Derek Carr, who's never won anything? You're trusting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield? No Tom Brady. They lost their Pro Bowl center for the season. Mike Evans in a contract dispute? I don't know, guys. I think the NFC South is eminently winnable, and I think the Falcons are going to win it. And they're going to shock some people. And then they're going to shock some people again. And they're going to win a playoff game. As much as I think UGA can get the three-peat done, I just think there's a lot more in their way than there is for the Falcons. I just think there's a lot more in terms of the teams that they're going to face both in the SEC and then in a potential college football playoff that could be a stumbling block. I like a lot of teams this year. I like LSU. I think Ole Miss is going to be pretty good. I think Alabama is still going to be Alabama, even if they're not the Alabama of the last decade. I think there are teams out there that could challenge the dogs. Do I think the dogs are better than them on paper? Yes, of course. But we're talking about something that is so rare. We're not talking about a ho-hum season. We're talking about them doing something that has essentially never been done before. It happened in 1930. It was a different game. It wasn't the game that we've all come to know and love. So they're attempting to do something this year That has basically never been done before. So that's why I think it's just a little bit harder, and I think the Falcons have an easier path. So what say you? 404-726-0929. What is more likely to happen? UGA gets the three-peat, or the Falcons make and win a playoff game? Let's go to Dwight in Atlanta. Dwight, you're in the game. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, man? Uh, me, uh, I like both. Uh, I think Kirby has got his mojo. I'm not even worried about that. I think he uh, has got the niche, and he'll be able to pull off that three-peat uh, a lot more easy than people think. But with these Falcons, this is the best defense this team has ever assembled, period. I call them the BBIC, the Bruce Brothers Incorporated. Okay. I believe they're going to dominate defensively, offensively, you know, the little inexperienced. My thing is, and I wish they would, bring back number 11, Julio Jones, which would be a great asset and benefit to this young quarterback and a good leader and mentor to these young guys on the field. And I'm confident that the Falcons will make the playoffs. Heck, we might even make the Super Bowl. All right, Dwight, but if you had to pick one, UGA gets the three-peat or the Falcons make the playoffs, which one are you going with? It's tough. It's tough. I'm going to go with the Falcons definitely going to make the playoffs, but I'll go with the Falcons. All right, Dwight, thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. And that's what I'm saying. The Falcons just have an easy path to the playoffs. Now, I think it's pretty fair to say if the Falcons don't make the playoffs this season, it's it's a disappointment. I mean, is it a disaster? Is it a catastrophe? Do I think Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, if they win 10 games and miss the playoffs by a game? No, obviously, then you're trending in the right direction and you're doing what you need to do. So I'm not saying it's cause for alarm or cause for anyone's head to roll, but it's a pretty easy path for the Falcons to get to the playoffs. And if you're facing 
you know, look what the Giants did to the Vikings last year in the playoffs. The Vikings won 13 games, and the Giants beat them in the first round. The Falcons can be that type of team this season. I have absolutely every faith in that. UGA, it's just going to be tough. I mean, it's to go basically perfect again, to go beat not one but two quality teams in a playoff again. I mean, what happened to TCU was alarming, and then you see what happened to them in the first game of this season. So clearly TCU just had, you know, right place, right time energy going on last year to get to the point where they were facing off of Georgia in a national championship and got absolutely drubbed. And, you know, if you played that game 10 times, I think Georgia wins 10 out of 10 times. So that's not anything about questioning Georgia's second national championship consecutively. It's just saying that the team that they had to face wasn't exactly a team that was, you know, going to challenge them down in and down out like Alabama did for the SEC title. But at the same time, you have to look at what's in front of them. And what's in front of them is a pretty good SEC. Is it the best SEC that it's been, you know, since the turn of the century? No, I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But there's a lot of quality teams. LSU is really good. Brian Kelly's got that program exactly where they need to be. You always have to count on Alabama. South Carolina, they're going to be decent. I'm not saying any of these teams are going to be the individual thing that causes Georgia to win to not win a third consecutive championship, but when you have the amount of roadblocks lined up for them as you do compared to the Falcons, I think it's clearly advantage Falcons there. 404-726-0929. DK in Atlanta, you're in the game. Hey, man, I think I qualify to answer that question. I'm so Atlanta. My brothers and I, we were in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium when Hank hit 715. There you go. Oh, so, yeah. I, we, we, I, I'm, I'm ready to answer your question. And I tend to agree with you that Atlanta Falcons have a better opportunity to win this division and win a playoff game than Georgia, and I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan, and I'm looking forward to that three-peat, but it's going to be a tougher road for them than it would be for the Falcons. Now, if you look at the Falcons lineup, I mean, if you got you got, um, you got got the tight end who they can line up as – you got Pitts, the tight Kyle end, Pitts, they can yeah. line him up as a wide out over there. You got Drake on the other side. You still got Patterson. You can line him up as a wide receiver. And you can put Robinson in the slot. For a defense, that's a nightmare. You still got Algier in the backfield. That's a nightmare. I agree, DK. Thank you for the phone call. We got to catch a break here. I agree. And that's part of the reason why I'm saying I think it's going to be easier for the Falcons to get into the playoffs and win a game than it's going to be for the Georgia Bulldogs to be able to capture their third national title in a row. All right, thanks, guys, for calling. Thanks for chiming in. Great job. We'll bring this topic up later in the show. we got to catch a break here. Coming up next, our buddy Joe DeLeon is going to join us from the Believe Podcast Network. Now, he's a draft analyst and also covers college football, so great time to have him on. I'm going to ask him about all the quarterbacks that are making their debuts next weekend, and then, of course, what he likes in college football week one. So don't go anywhere. Joe DeLeon coming up next. This is The Other Side of the Glass with Chris Thomas hanging out with you till 8. Sports Radio, 99 The Game, Odyssey app. Man, what a great way to start off the college football weekend. That Colorado game is going to go down as one of the best of the season, and we're only just getting started. Here to break it all down for us and much more, college football NFL draft expert for the Believe Podcast Network, Joe DeLeon, hopping on the WadeFord.com hotline. Joe, how are you? 
collect myself after that uh, that Colorado TCU game. That was <laughs> heck of a way to start off our Saturday of, of college football. But I'm doing great. We got plenty of great games on. Excited to see how this late night slate ends up being. Yeah, and so I want to pick your brain here a little bit. It's you know, especially in our business, never too early to look ahead from what you saw from him at Jackson State and now through one historic game at Colorado. Does Shadur Sanders project in the NFL in your mind? I'm admittedly going to be very conservative about the outlook for Shadur. I, I think that his performance early on at Jackson State was fantastic, but the competition he was, in, he was going against wasn't exactly great. It wasn't at the elite level, and now he has a chance to really showcase that. That first game that he played, I saw a lot of poise. I saw a lot of great decision-making. Uh, he's a really good athlete, and sometimes these mobile quarterbacks love to just overly rely on their legs, but he decided uh, to straight-up pick apart Colorado, or, uh, TCU rather, with just quick decision-making, getting the ball out as quickly as possible, taking advantage of a lot of light coverage. But I, I think that he's somebody who's going to have to benefit from coming back for one more final year. And I wouldn't be surprised if his father isn't maybe requesting that he comes back for another year so, so that they can run it back next year, depending on how things go in 2023. But he's got the arm. He's got the decision-making. He just might be a year away. The other star from this game, Travis Hunter, was playing both sides of the ball, 110 snaps for the game. Obviously, I don't think that's going to be able to be a realistic expectation for the entire season. So if you had to project him out as either a corner or a wide receiver, where is he going to play? I think realistically, and it's odd saying this because I think he played more receiver reps than he did play corner reps in this game, but I think realistically he's projecting best as a, as a corner. His shutdown ability, the way that he played in this game, his ability to take the ball away, and then the ball skills, we know he's a receiver. He can catch the football, but the way he's able to, you know, come up and take the ball out of the air and pluck it out of the air is just at a completely an, another level. Something that I don't think most of us have seen for a true sophomore. The way that he played in this game, um, that one pick that he had in the red zone that was just amazing. And that's where, like, I'm completely shocked for what he's able to do. I knew he was good. I didn't know he was that good. But realistically, as that projects to the NFL, to answer your question we've kind of had this with Dion where he was a corner and then sometimes got those opportunities to play receiver and return kicks. And I think that his impact will be more so felt in that way. I worry a little bit because the guys like Jabril Peppers, who you know kind of had that pass, that similar pass where it's like, wow, what, what can't he not, what can he not do? Um, and then eventually he just finds his role in defense. So I, I feel like that's most likely for, for Travis Hunter. All right, Joe, as we're talking to Joe DeLeon here on the Wade Ford.com hotline sports radio, 92, nine, the game, we got a bunch of rookies making their debut next weekend. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Bryce Young, what are your expectations for him? I uh, think the offensive line looked a little shaky in preseason. I might be a little concerned when he comes up against our Falcons in week one. Yeah, uh, Bryce Young is somebody who has, despite some offensive limitations in his college career, has been able to exceed them. We saw last year where the offensive line for Alabama was struggling a little bit, and he's just got fantastic pocket presence. And the way that Jonathan Mingo played in the preseason, it seems like he's got a pretty good option to uh, to be a good dump-off go-to threat. I, I don't think that Bryce is going to be a world beater. I don't think he's going to explode onto the scene like some, some other guys have. And I, Heck, I wouldn't even be shocked if some people don't say if he has a couple bad performances here and there that they don't go and say, oh, this kid's a bust, why was he taking first overall? This is why you shouldn't take smaller quarterbacks. But 
he, for me, is somebody who I think is gradually going to get more and more comfortable as the season goes on because the roster around him is, is pretty bare offensively, but uh, just so consistent and knows how to play when, when all the odds are stacked up against him. Now, what do you think about C.J. Stroud? Are we going to get the C.J. Stroud that played against Georgia, or are we going to get the C.J. Stroud that made you scratch your head a bunch? I, I think this first year we're going to get that C.J. Stroud that had us scratching our head a ton, which is – and we, we saw it in the preseason. A lot of hold the ball a little too long, forcing the ball into really questionable spots that led to turnovers. But that doesn't mean he's not going to reach that Georgia version of him. And we know that that's in him, that he's eventually going to get there. And it's up to D'Amico Ryan and that Texans coaching staff to eventually unlock that in him. And that's the whole point of starting him right away. He's good enough that if you get him more reps, he's going to get better. He's going to start to think quicker. And then eventually he will be, and hopefully that version that we saw against Georgia, I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. And that's, that's another team that really, really lacks the offensive talent. They should be able to rely on Damian Pierce. Hopefully that can, uh, take the pressure off of him, but it might take a little bit before Stroud gets fully, fully comfortable. For me, the wild card is Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis. Now they have clearly no expectations with Mr. Taylor sitting on the sideline, so it's going to be just let's see what we got in this guy. And we've seen a lot from him in camp and in the preseason in terms of that raw athleticism and you know the big arm, but the question is, can he actually run an offense efficiently? Yeah, I think that the, the – end part there that you said that can he run an offense efficiently he is somebody who's just so physically gifted and the whole season we're going to be sharing clips all year saying oh my god look at this throw look at this ball that he threw look at him run over a defender look at him barrel his way into the end zone look at this 50 yard uh, touchdown that he had but there's going to be a lot of head scratchers and that one out of all of them fans need to be really really patient with his progression the thing that's a huge advantage is that the offense that he's stepping into allows him to play as an athlete. And I know it's tough that there's no Jonathan Taylor, but I, I feel as though Shane Steichen is going to find ways to get that run game efficient and moving downhill. He looked pretty good in the preseason uh, for what I was expecting. I know that he wasn't perfect, uh, but he looked pretty good, better than I was anticipating he would. So how about our guy here in Atlanta, B. John Robinson? So far, he's been everything you could expect and more on and off the field. Any reason to believe he won't have an outstanding rookie season? No, I, I don't think that there's any reason to believe that unless there's a significant injury or maybe even a light injury that lingers throughout the season, which always tends to hop up for, for running backs. But Bijan is, as you talked about, as advertised, they did a good job of getting him warmed up in the preseason, but not exposing too much of him and getting glimpses of how he's going to be utilized. And I think it's going to be a real uh, rude awakening for NFL defenses, having to bottle that guy up in an offense that was built to run uh, with a star running back like B. John Robinson. His game-breaking impact, I think, is going to be felt. Although I, I feel as though his impact is going to be closer to what Saquon Barkley's was uh, early on when Daniel Jones first took over for the Giants where things were a little up and down and his big plays kept them in games, but the quarterback play was a bit of a hindrance at times. Breaking down all things college and NFL with Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network. Check out his stuff there. All right. Question about somebody out west. Our good friend Stetson Bennett with the L.A. Rams. Seems like Matthew Stafford's having a bit of a tough time there in L.A. They're going through some transition any shot you think he gets some reps in actual games this season? 
Oh, I think it's very likely for two reasons. And one of them that you just brought up that things are a little shaky right now for the Rams. And if by the end of the season, maybe 13 or 12 games in, things aren't going well, and maybe on both sides in Stafford's camp and in the Rams front office, they don't want to you know, keep him out there to risk any re-injury or injury at all throughout the season or at the end of the season, rather, when things aren't in a position for them to make the playoffs. But I think the other aspect of this is that we know that Matthew Stafford has not exactly been the most healthy and fully available player at the quarterback position uh, over the past few years and in his whole career. So if he gets banged up and he deals with anything, um, I wouldn't be shocked if Stetson doesn't come in. And he's another player who played really cleanly in the preseason. And we know that he's a guy who maybe physically isn't going to wow you like Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud, but I think can keep the offense on schedule if asked to do so. I think his impact could be similar to what Baker Mayfield did uh, when he stepped in and, and took over that quarterback job for the Rams at the end of last season. But I, I, th- I really do think that there's a strong chance um, that he does find his way onto the field, maybe start the game or two. Now, our guys here getting underway in under uh, just over an hour, and that, of course, is the Bulldogs looking for their historic three-peat. Carson Beck, he's been a bit of a man of mystery. He got limited reps over the past couple of seasons, but Kirby has come out and said he has full faith in him to lead the offense, and it's not expected to miss a beat. Do you think that's an accurate statement, or do you foresee a bit of struggle as UGA goes for the three-peat? I I don't want to say struggle, but I think that there will be a little bit of a, uh, not growing pains, but there's going to be a bit of an acclimation period for Carson Beck. For new quarterbacks, there's very rarely guys that immediately jump onto the scene and explode and have uh, crazy first few game stretches and SEC debuts. If he was as good as being able to do that, he would have beaten out Stetson Bennett last year for the quarterback job. But Carson Beck is a, is a talented player. He's got a big frame. I think some people believe that if he does have a good season, he could be in that, that quarterback conversation for the 2024 or 2025 NFL draft as a first rounder. Um, but he does need to get comfortable. What does help him is that Brock Bowers comes back. That offensive line might somehow be better than it was last year, even though they lost a couple of players. I'm really high on what Amarius Mims can do for this team, but they have just so much offensive explosion and also defensive talent that even if Carson Beck isn't perfect, like even if he has a bad game where he's at 50% completion percentage or worse or throws a a pick or two, uh, he can get bailed out. That roster is so, so good, which is why I'm not worried that they're going to have any hangover from the last two seasons of winning national championships. Now, if I asked you who is the best quarterback in the SEC, your answer would be? I'd have to go with Jane Daniels. Uh, not from an NFL draft perspective, but just from like a college football perspective. Jane Daniels looked so good down the stretch last year. And I, I know that he was banged up in, in the SEC championship game. He was dealing with an injury. His availability, and when he's fully healthy, he fits perfectly in Brian Kelly's offense. He is so hard to tackle. He's got great speed and athleticism. He's not a, a big arm quarterback, but he kind of like we were talking about earlier with Shadur that he's just a pick you apart player. When he makes quick decisions, the ball comes out of his hands so easily uh, and he's very decisive. And when he's in a rhythm, he can be and will be the best quarterback in the SEC. I think that LSU's chances of reaching uh, the national championship are going to be fully based on what Daniels does this season. If he is consistent and we get glimpses of the way that he played against Alabama, Uh, through stretches of this year, 
they absolutely can get there or at the very least get to the college football playoffs. Joe, last one. Jalen Milrow named the starter for Alabama. Maybe a bit of a surprise as Tyler Buckner was brought over from Notre Dame sort of to compete for this job, but Milrow wins it out. He's a bit of a wild card in my opinion, but the high upside is there. What do you think? Yeah, I think that there's a, a possibility, even though that, that Milrow won the job, that uh, other guys might get rotated in and get some reps, and maybe Ty Simpson comes in for a series, or we get uh, we get uh, Buckner coming in for a series, or however, because of how how hard of a decision this seemingly was for for making this pick at quarterback. But I mean, we look at the past of some guys that were successful that have similar physical profiles in Alabama's offense. I know that there were different offensive coordinators, but you know, guys like Jalen Hurts and Blake Sims were really successful. And Jalen Hurts led Alabama to SEC championships with the way that he played. And I wonder if now that Tommy Reese is the one calling the plays and it's a very run-oriented offense and they have so many different young backs to go to, uh, that Jalen Milrow isn't just a massive focal point for the run game. The thing that scares the heck out of me is the way that if, if the way that he plays when it's like third and medium, third and long is, is really scary. It, it could be really, really bad if it comes down to a close game against LSU or, or someone else that he needs to make a play on a third and long and he can't get there because his, uh, his throwing ability is just not up to par with some of these other players in the SEC. All right, Joe, let's keep injecting this college football Saturday right into the veins. Main light it, baby. Appreciate you hopping on. Of course. Thanks for having me, Zoe. All right, Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network there. Check out his stuff. We're going to continue the college football conversation. In fact, how about this? We're going to go live to the scene of the crime. That is Stanford Stadium. Our buddy Allison Mastrangelo from WSB-TV is on the sidelines, and she'll be checking in with us to set the scene for Bulldogs and UT Martin. That is coming up next. Do not go anywhere. Sports Radio, 99 The Game, Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.